As I mentioned earlier, um, some of you may have received the newsletter by now. If not, uh, I mentioned a, a brief article that was in the newsletter, and uh, it, it refers to something that happened to me on the evening of November 30th when we were celebrating our 30th anniversary here. And I came into the altar, and I was sitting right where Tony is sitting now. And there were instruments, musical instruments, all around this altar. And the instruments had been set up in preparation for the evening. And I really hadn't paid a lot of attention to the fact that the altar was there and was not one of the musical instruments. But as I sat there and I was praying for the service and praying for those who would come and be in attendance in that celebration with us, it was, a, it was as though that altar was illuminated right in the midst of all of the instruments. And my heart was stirred, my soul was stirred, my spirit was stirred. And I, the message was very clear to me that a lot of the things that we consider to be ordinary or even secular can be used and placed in a way that makes them sacred. And what helped me to gain that perspective was the fact that we had an altar right here in the midst of all of those instruments. And you read the article, hopefully, and you'll get more from that. But because of that experience, I just felt led to uh, talk a little bit more about what it means to have Christ or to, to see Christ as an altar in the world. Now, when you think about the word altar and what it means, most dictionaries will give us several different meanings for altars. One is the table in a Christian church at which the bread and wine are consecrated in communion service. Another is a table or flat top block used as the focus for a religious ritual, especially if sacrifices are expected to be made. And then the third is a place where gifts are offered to God. But when I sat reflecting on my experience on the 30th, I remembered a book by Barbara Brown Taylor entitled The Altar in the World. And I remembered that she, of course, I had not fully read, read the book fully, but uh, I remembered that she addressed altar from a very different perspective. And the way she defines altar is an ordinary place where human beings have met and may continue to meet up with the divine. So an altar is not necessarily a one-time thing. It's a place that is consecrated in the midst of ordinariness, and it becomes extraordinary. And see, the world for most of us is an ordinary place. All around us, there are things that we encounter every day. So we don't think a lot about them. We don't see them as being particularly exciting or, or meaningful. 
they become familiar to us. And the familiarity, I think, is what contributes to us having a perspective of ordinariness when it pertains to those things. But when you think about this passage of scripture that was read from, first, from John 1, verses 1 through 14, it helps us to remember that it was in the fullness of time that God sent God's son. The fullness of time when the world was chaotic, really. Some people would say going to have a hell in the handbasket. <laughs> but the world was totally chaotic. And the, but the ordinary became extraordinary when Christ showed up. Because the light of Christ had come in the midst of that which was ordinary. As I said, we're thinking about what it meant to have to see Christ as an altar in our midst. I thought about two ways that the altar is experienced. More often than not, we go to a place that we consider to be a sacred place, like a church, a Richmond Hill, a community, and we sit before the altar, that which we have designated as the altar. We go to the altar. But what happened with Christ's coming was that the altar came to us. And that word in John says the life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, Christ brings into that light. Christ was in the world and the world existed because of Christ. Yet the world didn't even notice him. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. And sometimes we don't see what see because we refuse to see. And even when the light shines upon that thing that we don't want to see, we still don't see it. But the word of God helps us to know those who did want him, who believed that he, who, who he was and who he claimed to be, and, what, and that he would do what he claimed to do, that they were made to be the children of God. In other words, they were made to be their true selves. The reality of who we were created to be comes into existence, comes into life when we recognize the altar in our midst. And it's not just about recognizing the thing. It's about being in relationship with God. The altar is not there just to, be, just to serve us, but the altar is there that we might serve God and serve one another, become more, become into a closer relationship with God. He made them to become their true selves. They are God's begotten. Not begotten by blood, not by flesh, 
nor by sex, but begotten because of God. So if we were to take on Barbara Brown Taylor's perspective on what it means to have an altar in our midst, it would be all about finding God in the ordinary places. And just as John said, I believe that we too would agree that the word can become flesh over and over again. And when we think about Christ coming into the world, that altar coming into our midst, we can say that the word was made fleshed and moved into our neighborhood. And we will say that we have seen the glory with our own eyes, that one-of-a-kind glory. And we can declare that this is indeed an altar, a place where we can meet God over and over and over again, an altar in our midst. Amen. Amen.